Now, as we turn to God's word in scripture, I invite you again to turn your hearts in prayer. Come to us, O Lord, in splendor bright. Create in our hearts your everlasting light. Amen. A reading from Romans, the 8th chapter, verses 18 to 24. I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory about to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the children of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to decay and will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what is seen? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The groaning begins in the garden. We must understand the mythic tale of which we are active participants. The man and the woman are spiritual ancestors, are archetypes of living. They are given by God every tree in the garden for their enjoyment and nourishment and delight. There's only one tree that they're told is forbidden. And for reasons we cannot explain, but ones that we all fully understand, that's the tree they sought and broke the trust of their creator. The garden is cut off, now just a memory of what should have been. Instead, we hear that now the woman will suffer great pangs in the bearing of her children, labor pains. And the ground itself is cursed filled with weeds and thorns and thistles, having to be tilled and sown and struggled under in order to yield forth a harvest. The groaning begins in the garden. The groaning is the separation from our human life. The groaning acknowledges that our life is one of relationship with our source, the creator of our life. It is a relationship with others in covenant life, in parent-child relationships, in friendships. In the groaning, we acknowledge that we are separated from the eternal God in our temporal world. We long for that relationship, but there's nothing we can do to achieve it. In the groaning, we acknowledge that we are separated from others. Bitterness, cynicism, impatience, envy infect our love for other people. 
and we groan with the creation. That's our theme in this Advent. As we celebrate the coming of Christ to free us from the groaning for a restored relationship with God, to free us and restore and heal our relationships with one another, we also see how Christ comes to free us from the groaning that we share with the creation. We are groaning in our relationship to the land itself. We groan because we know that we do not live in right relationship with the earth, our home, and we do not understand ourselves as a part of the created order. The theme text to guide us this Advent is Heaven and Nature Sing by Hannah Anderson. I hope you've picked up a copy in the gathering area. There's a few left today. In it, we will see how to step into this connected relationship between our life and the land and how we are groaning together for the redemption of God. That connection has always been there. But because of our blindness, our unwillingness to understand the curse that lingers, we often take the creation in this Advent season and turn it just into decorations, a backdrop and a background to the story of the Lord's coming. But notice the words we read from the Apostle Paul to the Christians in Rome that the creation waits in eager longing. It has been groaning in labor pains until now, but not only the creation, but we ourselves are groaning with the creation. We groan as the creation groans. Even we who've heard the gospel, even we who have the first fruits of the Holy Spirit, even we who know the power of resurrection, that the present sufferings are temporary and that God will come to right wrongs and enact justice and bring peace to all the world. Easter has told us that is our hope, but the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives does not isolate the believer from the unredeemed creation, as legendary New Testament scholar Leander Keck writes. Rather, it reinforces the believer's solidarity with the creation. If the Holy Spirit is our hope, then it is not too much to say that Christians are the hope of the creation. We are a foretaste on this earth of the ultimate salvation that will come by the power of God at the end of history when the cosmic Christ comes to restore the Eden that was lost. But what does it look like, Christians, to live as the hope of the creation, just as the Holy Spirit is the hope of our coming redemption? It's to step forward into the mutuality of the interdependent Eden. It's to learn to love and listen to the land again. Not to view the earth as a resource, 
but as a complex system of which we are a part and from which we were created, to which we are bound, we are dependent upon it, and to which we are responsible. Industrialization and the modern technological information age we live in make it all the more difficult and all the more necessary for Christians to witness to this hope. In our neighborhood, it is difficult to track the phases of the moon or watch the constellations move across the sky. Artificial light separates us from the Earth's rhythms of day and night. We do not grow our own food. We do not harvest our own meat. We don't gather eggs. We don't build our houses from items that we find around us. We order things next day delivery and to go food to the house and call a repairman to make sure that the temperature stays exactly the same year round, no matter what the temperature is outside. And I'm grateful for a lot of those things. They prevent starvation, hypothermia, heat stroke. They allow us to live longer and more stable lives. But it's also true that those conveniences can become an impediment to learning to love the land again, to attend to it, to listen to see our connection to, and not just our utilization of, the earth. So perhaps you need to take a walk with a child through the neighborhood. I can loan you one if you don't have one in your life. <laughs> their eyes are closer to the ground, and their minds are not filled with so many distractions. I can guarantee you that you'll come home with your hands filled with colorful leaves, your pockets full of acorns, sticks that look like letters of the alphabet, and funny-shaped stones. Maybe in this Advent season, when we celebrate the light in the darkness, you might sit at night just by the light of a candle or a fire and feel the pulsing of the earth. Maybe it's a tree dragged into the house, needles falling to the floor, one that you have to remember to water every day to maintain, once again, our connection. This might be the season to clean out the flower beds or pull out the detritus from the vegetable garden to prepare the soil for the new year. Dirt under your fingernails as your breath hangs on the air in front of you. And in all of this, let us pay attention to the story of our Lord coming into the world and to the creation within that story that is just as much a character within it to pay attention to as the people who speak and the angels who sing.
mountains made low, shoots coming out of the stump of Jesse, a cattle feeding trough, birth pangs of labor, hope for us, hope for the earth. May heaven and nature sing, and may we move forward into that Eden of old, whole again. Amen.